I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From M&A rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in my closet recording far, far away from my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. How's your quarantine going this week? Oh, so much has happened this week. First of all, I mean, okay, this was inevitable. But it happened. It finally happened. I was I was deep in a stretch. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and something something happened. Something I don't know exactly what happened. I just felt like a, a pull or a pop or something. And I was oh, like, God. oh, that was horrible. It's fine. This happened uh yesterday and today I felt nothing. So Okay. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but still, th- so there was that. Then um, my credit card was used at some place that I have never heard of or been to. Love that. So, yeah, which is like, this is like the second time it's happened. I don't know how it keeps happening. If anything, I'm glad that it is happening because it allows me to cancel my card and then have to evaluate everything that I've subscribed to. <laughs> So it's like a good uh, kind of self audit. Yeah. I mean, they're really doing you a favor. I guess. And then today I dropped an iced coffee all over my floor. So, so like so, so much right. really has happened. <laughs> uh, but the point is at the end of the week, my grundle is still intact. I'm getting a new credit card and I wiped all of the iced coffee up. So we made it through. Look at you. How is your week going? Well, I'm back in New York City where there's about to be a heat wave and it's super humid and I'm just yelling. I've just been watching YouTube videos of quiet AC units (laughs) to find out if they exist. (laughs) Yeah, my AC unit, I think I've broken it because I keep I have my copy of Little Women I because I'm a feminist and that is what I use to, (laughs) to prop up my mechanics. I have it shoved into my air conditioner to try to hold whatever thing is rattling in place oh god (laughs) yeah so thank you to uh, louisa may alcott her work is so important Mm -hmm. and uh yeah but you know what i had an amazing therapy session last week and i'm still riding that high (laughs) so i am ready for this episode well on that note (laughs) coming up on today's episode we'll have worst things first where i chat about the stupidest most ridiculous worst news of the week after that we are diving deep into going to the dentist because you know what going to the dentist is always the worst but you know what makes it even more worse going during a pandemic which i had to do then we've got writers podcast hosts and authors aminah tuso and ann friedman on the pod aminah tu and ann co-host the amazing podcast call your girlfriend and they've got a beautiful new book out called big friendship so we'll get into all of that and more So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's lean back in that dentist chair and start the show. All right. Worst things first. Let's talk about the worst news of the week. First, the owner of a pizza shop in Greenwood, Delaware, was held up by a robber wielding a machete. Okay. (laughs) Because, sure. (laughs) So, what do you use when you're up against a man with a a machete demanding money? Uh, A steaming hot pizza. That's what you use. (gasps) Just ask the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles how they defend themselves. I don't actually know if they use pizza as weapons or or, or they just love pizza. I mean, to me, what what that whole series is really about is how they manage to maintain great complexions... For teenagers who eat nothing but oil and dairy. I don't understand it. 
I mean, like, it's that amphibian skin. It's gorgeous. It's glistening. It's slick. They they definitely... I'm sorry. It's re- it should be reptilian. Turtles are not amphibian. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I didn't even question it. Are they? No, no, no. No, they hatch in eggs. So... <laughs> what i don't know i don't know where f- turtles are born i don't know i'll take i'll take whatever they are taking the point is this man used the pizza as a weapon so yeah the owner of a pizza shop called stargate pizza was he was closing down his shop when uh, a man with a machete approached him and demanded money he said he didn't have any and then threw a pizza at him causing the machete wielding man to flee that's how it's done. That's how it's done. You want to get rid of an attacker? <laughs> throw a throw a fucking pizza at them. He's lucky you had that pizza. What if we hadn't? I don't even want to think of it. I mean, I recently bit into a pizza that was way too hot, but I was just so hungry. And then it did, in fact, like tear off the roof of my mouth. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it can be a weapon. That's the thing about pizza. It's deceptive because you think the steam is under control. Mm-mm. You know, you could gauge hotness based on how much steam is coming off of it. And when the steam is nice and nice and subtle, you think it's fine. And then you take a bite. And when that top layer comes off, whatever the magma on top and it, it, it you get to the, the all of the lava beneath, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. you're done for. Next, police officers in florida only in florida we're called to a main street in fort lauderdale to capture a two-year-old kangaroo who'd been roaming the neighborhood let him browse for real estate yes he's just shopping he's home shopping okay he was roaming it's not like he was destroying yeah it wasn't a two-year-old kangaroo wreaking havoc in fort lauderdale neighborhood no you know rest every squirrel come on you should we'll get to that later so a police sergeant said that police aren't trained to capture exotic animals so they had to use a leash that is used to apprehend stray dogs There's literally video of like four police officers wrestling this kangaroo into the back of their like police car. It's like, hey, why don't you bring in someone who does know how to capture a literal wild animal? Okay. That's like if I was like, oh, hey, there's an elephant in my driveway. Why don't I call one of the referees from Foot Locker? It's (laughs) not, they're not going to do anything. They don't know what they're doing. Why is there a video of police officers wrestling a kangaroo into the back of a police car? It doesn't make sense. I would imagine Florida has the most robust fish and wildlife department in the whole fucking country. Why are four police officers like uh, wrangling a kangaroo? I don't know, but they should not be. Also, there shouldn't be a fucking kangaroo in Florida. Um, According to the Sun Sentinel, the newspaper, one of the newspapers in Florida, the kangaroo's name is Jack and belongs to a 24-year-old guy who said he didn't fully shut the gate after taking out the recycling. Also, naming your kangaroo Jack is like naming your dog Spot. Like, show some goddamn imagination. You should get your kangaroo taken away for that reason alone. Hard agree. Those are the rules. Next, in similar aminal news, residents of a neighborhood in Oakland, California, are being terrorized by a peacock. <laughs> One resident wrote on the website next door that, quote, for the past 15 weeks or so, he has screamed relentlessly every day. <laughs> the peacock. not the man although i'm assuming the man is also screaming yeah he wrote it's so loud inside my house it literally feels like he is inside my house it got so bad that two months ago i had to move out of my street facing bedroom into my middle bedroom okay (laughs) you have two bedrooms yeah oh (laughs) king look at your mansion look at your castle Yeah, I've been sleeping on the floor on a camping air mattress. Okay, multiple beds. I still get woken up at 4, 5, 6 a.m. many mornings. This is just a humble brag. So the city of Oakland has received noise complaints about the peacock and sent an animal control officer uh, to investigate, but no action was taken to relocate the bird. He is believed to be feral. and I don't know what that means wild i guess yeah yeah like feral cats you know 
They're just the street cats. He's a street peacock. Well, of course he is. We're, <laughs> I guess they. I guess the alternative is he's someone's pet. But yeah, which we just got out of a story about a pet kangaroo, so it doesn't seem that wild <laughs> that it could be a pet peacock. Also, has Jack Donaghy taught you nothing? <laughs> Yes, I know, I know. Okay, so he's believed to be a wild peacock. Uh, I guess it's rumored by neighbors to be the same peacock that lived at a nearby location uh, for four years uh, until the resident who fed him moved on. So they just abandoned this peacock and then he became a wild peacock. This is why you put your peacocks in your will and then leave it to the person that you have named CEO in your place. It would take care of all of these problems. It would. And finally, public health officials have announced that a squirrel in Colorado has tested positive for the bubonic plague. What? End End it all now. Is it bubonic or bubonic or babonic like bubba yeah who knows we'll never know it's a mystery the town of morrison colorado in jefferson county um which is just west of denver made the announcement thank you for the very specific (laughs) location (laughs) said uh it made the announcement that the squirrel is the first case of the plague in the county this year I would just like to shout out in the midst of a coronavirus pandemic, in the midst of revolution against the police state, I would like to shout out the worker who said, you know what? I'm going to do a test on this squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to I would like to take some uh, take some spit from this rodent that I found in the park. I don't know who's out here just testing park squirrels, but you're doing you're doing your job i guess um you know you know i mean if they if they didn't test it there wouldn't be bubonic plague you know what i mean <laughs> we would have 100 percent less cases of the bubonic plague in america right now if they just didn't test that squirrel <laughs> okay that's math that's science yep uh this has been science with the president so yeah unsurprising that the plague is found in a squirrel tbh i mean are we surprised bushy-tailed fucks how about you keep this to your goddamn self? You, if you had just stayed in your tree with your acorns, we'd be fine. But you had to go out and get infected. That's it for this week's Worst Things First. Next, we're diving deep into my mouth at the dentist's. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. So I know as you're listening to this podcast on the toilet or on a walk or blasting through your house over the complaints of your loved ones who hate me, uh, wherever you're listening, you're probably picturing me sitting in my closet fully nude. No. And I'm sure that your mental image includes me smiling with an absolutely perfect and stunning set of teeth. Okay, and you would be absolutely right. That is the perfect picture. Just me, wet butthole on the ground, jewels out. Okay, can you hear my chest hair? I hate this. (laughs) And a beautiful glistening set of teeth. And I do. I've I've beautifully straight teeth. They could be they could be whiter, which which is the only thing anybody is allowed to say that about right now. But I have had a toothache for the past uh, few months. And finally, I was like, fuck, I need to go to the dentist. And I was not thrilled to go to the dentist during a pandemic, especially since I haven't felt the touch of another human being for four months. And the first bit of contact I got was a stranger shoving their fingers in my mouth. I mean, usually that sounds like a good time. I guess, but I was not looking forward to it. Mainly because, okay, I walked in. They took my temperature immediately. I was a smooth 97. Okay, yeah, I got cool blood. Okay, deal with it. 
And then uh, I had to sign a bunch of forms that were like, you being here right now is the worst idea you've ever had. <laughs> you should not be here. There is no reason for you to be here. Please sign this form in case you literally die. And I was like, okay, yes. Now, this is the part where I admit, and it brings me absolutely no joy to say this because I will get judged and I accept your judgment. I had not been to a dentist in about eight years. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a piece of shit. I might as well be British. Am I right? You're right. You're not wrong. I saw a dentist for the first time in six years this past year. Okay. So, you know, we're in the same boat <laughs> I feel here. better. <laughs> I said that. I, I met up with some people in the park this past weekend, and I said that, and uh, the gasps that came from them were... Uh, they, I mean, it is unacceptable to have not gone to the dentist for that long, but um, still. It's all. It's not like we haven't been brushing our teeth. Sure. I didn't go eight years without flossing. Right. And last time I went to the dentist, the dentist was like, honestly, you're like, for, for someone who only comes here once a decade, like you have pretty good teeth. So, so I felt vindicated. That was eight years ago. I guess dental technology has advanced in the past eight years. I moved to New York eight years ago. So I like never actually found a dentist in New York. And then I didn't have dental insurance. So I was like, fuck this. Anyway, those are my excuses. I'm, I'm literally just defending myself against nobody. <laughs> I'm just preempting your judgment. The point is, I went to the dentist. I got traumatized. I still have my wisdom teeth. I still need to go get my cavities filled. But this is why the dentist is the fucking worst. First, every dentist is really just a nagging asshole who likes to shame you into complying with them. Being a dentist is like 5% scraping your tooth with a metal stick and 95% making you feel like a terrible person. <laughs> that is what the dentist is. He, this man literally held up the my dentist appointment. It started off so well. He was like, honestly, I'm like super impressed with what your teeth look like, given the fact that you haven't been here in eight years. And then the more we went on and the more cavities he found... <laughs> The more he was like, okay, I mean, this is going to take some, take some work. Uh, but he was like, he, when it, when it came time to clean my teeth and he held up a thing of floss and said, have you seen this before? Oh my God. So petty. It's <laughs> like, okay, uh, literally roast me. Um, roast master general over here. They're also shoving those weird tiny tampons up in your mouth folds and then they just forget about them. <laughs> and then two days later, I'm eating dinner and I have to pull what looks like an alien carcass out of my jaw while I'm eating my shrimp fried rice. <laughs> it's probably because I bleed so profusely <laughs> that they have to shove those things in there. Yeah. And they also have that weird taste. Why can't they make them flavored? That would probably make it worse. Well, the problem with any like mint flavored thing at the dentist's office is that it tastes like it fell into like a giant industrial vat of radioactive mint. <laughs> it's like not they've so far like turned up the dial on the mint that it tastes like Mr. Mint is literally blowing his fat load in the back of your throat the way i like it also why does every dentist utensil look like it was used to punish a medieval peasant who stole a cow you're supposed to clean my teeth not spear me in the mouth skin with your fucking tiny javelin i also hate when they're like you're bleeding because you don't floss and i'm like no i'm bleeding because you're stabbing me with a knife i use water floss regularly and then i do uh, and then i floss like every once in a while with actual floss and I still bleed every time. Like it's, you just bleed. Yeah. Gums are sensitive. They're sensitive little pieces of shit. <sighs> yeah. I definitely have been very militaristically flossing ever since. I am too afraid of a water flosser. I think I have one in my cabinet and I'm just like, the second I try to use that thing, I'm uh, there's going to be water everywhere. Maybe I should try it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Next. Dentists are always asking you questions right before they put their entire fist in your mouth. 
Yeah, hey, here's the general rule of thumb, just that's applicable to multiple life scenarios. If any part of your body is in my mouth, we shouldn't be having a conversation. Don't ask me how my week was and then put your knuckles in my throat. Next, the main thing that I think about while I'm sitting there is I really, really have to swallow. It's all you want to do. It's all I want to do and I can't do it and I never know when I'm able to. And then finally I'm like, fuck, I have to try to swallow with my mouth open. And it's like (laughs) sneezing with your eyes open. It's humanly impossible. It's so hard. And then and sometimes then your mouth like involuntarily produces like a a, a kind of like lizard poison dart situation and Uh uh shoots out like a globule. It's never good. It's never good. And then they tell you to spit and it's like, okay, I'm not a quitter. We swallow in this family. Also, isn't the whole point of the suction thing that you don't have to spit? Also, what are you supposed to do with your tongue the whole time? Yeah, I think I've had dentists before who who have like they, they use some tool to like tamp down my tongue because it gets in the way. No. I don't like that. Wow, you must have a huge tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I have a thick ass tongue. I have a thick, juicy, beefy tongue. Or they tell you like, hey, hey, can you move your tongue over here? And it's like, I don't know if you've ever thought about moving your tongue, but it is impossible. Also like stage left, stage right, or is it like you my left? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I guess I'll just swallow it. How about that? Next, there's always pictures. They're just like the artwork in the dentist's office. It's either like pictures of mouths, like actual human mouths. My orthodontist oh, used yeah. to have like Polaroids of everyone's mouths, <laughs> which now there's like that's serial killer behavior. <laughs> like they only if this were in any other office, you would be arrested. But they also have like posters of cartoon teeth, like individual teeth just smiling. Mm-hmm. What are you happy about? Okay. You're a, a tooth with no human body. And with no other teeth. Teeth are pack animals. They need to be together. Yeah. You're lost. You're abandoned. You're not at home because you're not in a mouth. Um, you're dead because you have no life force. So tell me that. Or tell me how you're alive. You bi- You bitch. I don't get it. And the, especially when the teeth themselves have teeth. No. That's fucked up. Absolutely not. I just like, let's face it, dentist, you're no tooth fairy, okay? You want to be the tooth fairy so bad, but you're just a middle-aged man who pretends to be a doctor. Oh, you're going to send this to your dentist? (laughs) Yeah. And finally, they always hand you that little condescending bag of goodies at the end. This is not a children's birthday party. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't need your consolation prize. I'm paying so much money because dental insurance isn't a thing. Like, you can give me more also. Yeah, you can give me, first of all, a full toothbrush instead of this, like, little miniature Happy Meal toy-sized toothbrush. Uh, Or, like, a full tube of toothpaste instead of this little travel-sized bitch. No! I don't know anybody who actually uses a full spool of floss. It takes at least 15 years. I have those floss like individual pick things Mm -hmm. that are probably horrible for the environment. Absolutely. (laughs) Those are never disintegrating. Um, Yeah. I mean, talk about the turtles. They're probably uh, they probably have my floss picks coming out of every nostril. But you know what? Their teeth are good. So think about that. Anyway, (laughs) the point is uh, my dentist can eat my asshole and I'll work on my cavity situation. I'll work on my wisdom tooth situation, but I just don't want any of this to tar the picture that you have of me and my glistening perfect teeth. Okay. Just know that on the outside, they're fine. On the inside, they're hurting. And isn't that, (laughs) isn't that the story of our lives? And that's it for this week's Deep Dive. And now let's get into an interview with our guest complainers, Aminatu So and Anne Friedman. My guest complainers today are writers, podcast hosts, and authors, Anne Friedman 
and Amina Tussauds. They host the hit podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, about being long-distance besties. And now they've written a book called Big Friendship, How We Keep Each Other Close. I have your book right here. Oh my gosh. It, what an honor to be a guest complainer. I've been dying to complain all day. This is perfect. <laughs> it is cathartic and we haven't even begun yet. It truly is, I think, the uh, the perfect time to lean into complaining. Yeah. So we like to start by asking everybody, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> well, do, do you want us to answer as individuals or jointly? Because this is like very the very funny thing about having written a book together is that frequently we have, um, well, we agree about a lot of things anyway, but, but frequently there is sort of like, okay, like this is going to be our answer for this thing <laughs> together now. I am, I'm curious about all of the above, what each of your answers would be and then together. Yeah. I'm so curious hit me Ann Friedman I mean the thing that I am like honestly like ranting about most often like when I think about pure self rant hours is the continued failure of my like Apple face ID to unlock my phone even pre COVID (laughs) um, like like I have done everything in my power as a person who sometimes wears glasses and sometimes doesn't as a person whose hair has changed multiple times since this like air quote feature has been introduced I I really have like reset it maybe like 50 times and it will just not recognize me ever (laughs) and now we are in this period of time where we are perpetually masked Mm -hmm. and I just every single time I have to like make it fail three times and then enter a passcode when I am already like breathing heavily onto myself in like an anxious mode in a store is like it it really is is not fun and I will also say that I have presented this rant to other people who are like what do you mean it works great for me (laughs) Like that is a thing that I have been hit with repeatedly. And I don't know what is like up with their faces. Fault. But it's your fault. You're doing something wrong. Yeah. My face. Maybe it's because you're too woke and because black people <laughs> know that technology does not work for us. So if you're black, face ID does not work. You also like can't flush those automatic toilets because they just, you know, or you can't wash your hands in a bathroom because the, the tech people don't let the lasers like see yes. melanin. No, this is like a real problem. I, yeah, I, I mean, I knew about face recognition. I had no idea no. about the hand, the hand and butt recognition. Cut to me in Japan dancing around toilets all day <sighs> trying to just flush, you know, <laughs> like not understanding what's going on. I can never wash my hands. But Anne, maybe it's because you're too woke that's why the face ID won't recognize you. You should take that as a um, as a surefire sign that in the race wars, you are maybe not losing. <laughs> Facial solidarity, is that what you're saying? <laughs> it is. It is a form of solidarity. I have sort of like abandoned that that mode of, of privacy for the past four months. I'm just like, you know what? Barely seeing other people to begin with. Like, wh- where am I going to lose it? Like, nobody's looking at it but me. So I've turned off all of the passwords, all of the face IDs. And it's going to be hard to go back because it's so it's so easy. I don't have to worry about any of the any of the waiting for it to recognize me. God bless. Wow. Privacy advocate Aminatu So is going to light <laughs> into you right now. <laughs> please, tell me I'm wrong, please. I, I need it. Listen, we are in a once in a lifetime global pandemic. Whatever it takes to make you feel safe right now, even though privacy is important and good, um, mm-hmm. whatever it takes to make you feel held and supported in your own home, I think you should just go for it. I, I like do not care. You're talking to someone that has like generally very good um, tech hygiene, but things that I share with my family, like we are newly uh, a family that has a Netflix account. The password is literally like the things that you're not supposed to do because it has to be a password that my dad will remember, you know? Right, right. My mom has recently gotten into Schitt's Creek on Netflix. Iconic. And she uh, she's all caught up and is very frustrated that she can't watch the latest season because it's not on Netflix. You have to buy it on iTunes or just wait for it to come to Netflix. And I bought it on iTunes I'm almost worried about giving the rest of my family my my Apple ID password because I'm like, what else can they see if they have my Apple ID password? I would never. So that is I'm I'm it's a brave act to share. Well, that. let me tell you the thing that's actually going on is that I am on like I have forever been on my 
best friend from college, Brittany Callender's, her Netflix family account. Like, I've had a, a login mm-hmm. on there. I think my username is Honey Boo Boo. Like, it's been forever. <laughs> but when my family and I were deciding to start a Netflix account, I just opened a whole, I was like, here's a new Netflix account just for the family. And I'm going to tell you, the one of the worst things I've ever done in my life is go through my dad's Netflix viewing to see what he was watching. Yeah. Because every time I talk to him, he's like, oh, I was watching this documentary about World War II. Or I was, why does my dad have a fake British accent? Or, I, you know, like, he's always watching, like, important things. Uh-huh. Even though he did confess to watching the Whitney Houston documentary, which for my dad is like, you know, like, he, like he would not consider that to be high art. And then, y'all, I went on his Netflix account. I can't tell if he started and finished it, but... That man is definitely watching the Tyler Perry catalog of films. I was like, <laughs> first strike, Papa So, first strike. And also, there were like a lot of Vanessa Hudgens movies. And so, you know, I'm like, is this my dad or is he now sharing the Netflix with someone? And the whole thing has been fascinating, but I can't talk to him about it because, you know, I snooped. Uh, but that is a mm. range. If it is him, that is an Im- a very impressive range. You know, my dad is a man... Um, who contains multitudes and can truly talk about anything. So it would not surprise me if he were like, have you ever heard of this amazing actress, Vanessa Hudgens? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, my family will never speak to me after this. There we go. But Anne, you were were saying you think you might have one that you would both think... We have we have several. So the thing about um, writing a whole book together and like at this moment in time, actually doing pretty much 100 percent of our working lives are in unison. Yeah. You have to have a lot of conversations about uh, are we both OK with this? Are we both annoyed by this email or this request that we got? Are we how do we want to jointly approach a problem? And so I think that we now have when it comes to you know, friendship, which is the subject matter of our book, but then also like lots of things that have to do with ways of working together. We are naturally annoyed by the same things. Mm -hmm. Like we just have kind of found like a middle ground where if one of us started off being maybe like, oh, no big deal. The other one just being so annoyed has pulled us along. And so, you know, among those things, uh, one of them that we realized in this process is that we both hate a dusk jacket on a book, Mm -hmm. like immediately hate, hate it. Especially a thick book, like, I mean, but really all books, like if I'm actually reading that book, the dust jacket is somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Like it is gone. Like it's sliding around. It's probably giving me paper cuts. It's like trapping food or sand or whatever I'm reading, like near between it. It's just, it's just, why is this still the norm? Right. Like if you're actually reading a book, you are not using a dust jacket. Like everyone knows right. that. Also, also the name drives me up the wall. It's just like a d- dust jacket. <laughs> what? We're, you know, like, don't worry. Like the dust is going to get on the book no matter what. And you should be wiping down your books once a year. But that's just a, that's just a me thing. Um, but anyway, yeah. How is it going to get that good book smell if you're wiping it down once yeah. a year? That old book smell. Listen, your bookshelves are like trapping so much dust. I, um, I have a whole oh system for this. But I anyway, this. and part of the dust jacket driving me nuts also is that in, you know, like book world, there is this like, feeling that because the dust jacket is more important, like the hardcover book with the dust jacket is more important, that it's more serious somehow. So they charge mm-hmm. more money for it. Uh, real readers read paperbacks, okay? Like I yes. my, like I have hella paperbacks all the time in my bag. You just can't be walking around here with these ginormous books that you can't do anything with. No, thank you. Right, right. No, that was my first thought when I, by the way, thank you so much. Uh, you both sent me a copy of your book. Um, but yeah, my my first thought was how much I loved how there was no jacket on it, and, and, but it was still a hardcover. And I mean, the cover is just beautiful anyway, so congrats. But yeah, uh, uh, the jacket is, nobody wants it. It's not there for any good reason. But I don't think we had ever talked about that until we had to jointly make a decision about our cover. It was just something we like individually did. And that's why I bring it up as like we kind of came to it through the process, even though we could have spent years of our friendship complaining about this. Truly. Yeah. This this whole time you've been living with this inside of you and you had no idea that you had this in common. Well, here's the thing about having uh, a friend that you work with or just like a friend that you were super comfortable with in general is that... um, you don't have to keep any of that stuff in. It's so fun to complain together. And then, right. especially when you're complaining in service of something that you want to do together, 
I my favorite parts of this process, honestly, were when someone would send us an email for something annoying or, you know, or like the weaselly kind of emails that are like, would you consider doing it? It's just like, just come out and say it. And looking at Anne or just knowing that she had the same reaction as me is, you know, uh-huh. I was like, great. I am not alone in how like annoyed I am right now. Just let's get it out over and out. It's perfect. Right. You know, the phrase that like I I really associate like a, a thrill of visceral pleasure with getting a text message from you that says, can I just be petty for a second? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> yes, you may. <laughs> like, like that's when you know it's going to be good. Well, And it's also probably at this point point likely to be something that I am also feeling irked about but like have not had mm-hmm. the opportunity to express to whoever we are working with in whatever thing and so that plus like just in general the text message back channel that happens you know all that that is the undercurrent throughout all of this work that we are doing together is a source of so much relief I mean I know you provide this relief to the masses on your show Matt but like like on a micro level like within a friendship the text message pettiness (laughs) release is so real so for people who have truly no idea what your podcast is um the 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 small few who might not um Tell us about like the the origins of you two as friends and then how the how the kind of the podcast got started. We had been friends. Big question. We had been friends for, I think, five years before a third party, um, our our biz third, Gina Delvac, who is our producer, um, suggested to us that maybe we would make good podcast hosts. And Gina's background is in radio and the show grew out of... Uh, a thing that we have done maybe not since day one, but definitely since we were, since we have been long distance friends, which is the bulk of our friendship, wherein we half jokingly, half seriously set an agenda for our catch up calls. But then even from very early days, we have also had guests who in the beginning were, were mostly our personal friends and have since become, you know, all kinds of people who we, whose work we are interested in or whose perspective, um, we want on the show. And um, I don't know. It's it's just, you know, like Hillary Clinton, like Hillary <laughs> who, who Rodham gave Clinton. a blurb for yeah. your book. <laughs> yeah. An obscure, yeah. an obscure um, senator from New York. She, she's going places. She, she may, she might be, she might have a career ahead of her. I don't know. Um, right. Anyway. So, so yeah. So like now it is, it is, I would say broadly a chat show, but, um, but also we try to have difficult conversations or maybe a better word is we try to have nuanced conversations and complex conversations Mm -hmm. about things that we see happening or see covered in ways that might feel a little more fleeting or superficial. And I think that that is something that, you know, all these years later, I value most about being in this public dialogue with Aminatu is like being able to kind of delve into that nuance or like listen to her provide context for something that I have seen, you know, sort of written about superficially lots of places. I feel like it it feels more relevant now than ever talking about working together. I mean, I'm, I'm going to project my own kind of work style in that writing a book is hard. You have to write a whole book. I, I'm curious to know whether working together made it easier or more difficult. Hmm. I think that, one, there was just no way we were going to write a memoir about our friendship not together. You know, like there's no there's no world in which right. there's the, I mean, not too so, dishes out on her friendship with Anne Friedman book. Like that, you know, like that book does not exist. Right. It's called Can I Just Be Petty for a Second? <laughs> <laughs> Can I just be petty for a second? 300 pages. <laughs> but yeah, so there was no way we were not going to do it together. And I do think that, you know, you're right. It's absolutely hard. We had never done anything like it. But because we've worked together for five years, we we have a system for figuring out how we can work together on things that are bigger than our podcast. And, um, you know, so like the writing itself was hard, but everything about it was hard. It's like, you got to sync up your schedules. You got to sync up your brains. Like there are a million things that I do in my own process that like annoy the shit out of Anne. And she never makes me feel like they annoy her. But when they become a problem for, you know, like us jointly doing things together, 
she finds a way to address them. And it's, you know, it's not personal. It's about mm-hmm. the work. So anyway. Okay. Right, I, right. I need to state for the record that I am also extremely annoying and like, you know, put many burdens on Aminatu to like parse what I'm doing or like make a choice when I am dithering or whatever. Like there, it is like a two-way annoyance street when you do a, pro- a project of this scale. I don't know. Part of this process for me was really realizing that, um, it's not complaining and it's not annoying if it's my friend. It's just or it's or it just is less mm-hmm. so like part of the annoyance for me is when someone that is not uh, emotionally accountable to me is asking me to do things that I don't want to do. You know, so with friends, you're like, sure. You're like, I'm like, I'm <laughs> right. low key annoyed, but I can live with that because, uh, you know, a little bit of annoyance is the price to pay to love people. But if I don't love you, like mm-hmm. I don't owe you shit. I mean, a, a little bit of annoyance is like the minimum price of entry to loving someone, yeah. like bare minimum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's humiliating to be a person in the world. You just have to, you're always like, how do I negotiate all of these uh, feelings and their feelings and their schedule and my schedule, whatever. It's like, that's fine. But if you love each other, then you're right. like, I am willing to do this work and I will go to my therapist and complain to them every week. You know, like, I'm like, that's the, that's the price. But if you don't know the person, I'm like, yeah, right. I'm like what? Like, I could be garbage to your face. That's fine. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, uh, keeping in touch with one another has always been long distance. But, um, you know, just the, for the past kind of three, four months of being in quarantine and whatever, like how just like, how has life been in, in wow, general? Have another hour of this podcast <laughs> where I, <laughs> I where know I, I was cry. like. <laughs> 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 this is the thing we rant about that everybody hates. Yeah. So, okay. This will like in a very in a very circuitous way will bring me back to my my other rant is the rant of um like people just think that like friendship just happens, you know, mm-hmm. or like because Anne and I are public friends, there is just this idea that, oh yeah, you guys are just good at friendship. I'm like, are you kidding? This is this is work. Like I am exhausted. I am exhausted at how much work it is. It is rewarding work. But it's work. And so and we get so much mail, you know, like in our podcast inbox or other friends will ask us or just other adults that we meet that are like, oh, the implication is always like, I'm so lonely. No one wants to be my friend or somehow like, you know, Mm -hmm. me and Anne have figured something out that they haven't figured out through like sheer charisma or something that I'm like, I, I don't even have that. But the, the reason that that always drives me nuts is that then, you know, the follow up to that person is always like, oh, yeah, like, have, you know, like, when was the last time you invited someone? Have you reached out to someone? Have you, you know, like, have you done the work of extending yourself to another human being? And the answer is always right. no. And I used to just smile and, and you know, and just like grin before and probably like text Anne like, oh, like people are not inviting people like they, they don't understand if you want to be part of a. If you want to be part of a friend group or a social scene, uh, you have to do the inviting. Everyone loves to be invited. No one wants to invite. What a beautiful gap to step into. And like a way that you (laughs) could engineer your own life as an adult. And so, you know, and we write a little bit about this in the book. Like, Anne and I are both like conveners of people. And part of my like in inviting people or figuring it out is actually that I'm a control freak and I need um, I need boundaries around how I see people. But if you're not buying like an extra ticket to a movie or, you know, like getting a reservation for two people on a random night of the week or just like going through your phone, the humiliating thing of going through the phone and just being like, who's around? Who wants to hang out? Chances are that, um, you know, probably like you are not going to have people hanging out with you. You, you got to do it. <laughs> Right. And it's hard because, like, I think that there is a bigger social problem in terms of this dynamic where people are not raised to think that, like, hey, you have to be proactive about creating the friendships that you want in your life. Right. Like, um, that's something Mm -hmm. we're socialized to do for our careers and our romantic lives to a certain extent um, and way, way less so when it comes to friendship. And so it's it is both true that when we get those emails, we're like, oh, like, the answer is so simple here. <laughs> just follow up and just be really specific in terms of how you're inviting mm-hmm. people. But the the other truth is that like it does feel risky and it does feel like it, it kind of takes on an outsized burden because we are not socialized to think about it as something that is 
just baked into being a healthy adult that we all have to do. But in the romantic context, right. it is a risk that we reward as a society. You know, like we tell people just put your just put yourself out there and you you know, you gather with your friends, you're like, is this text message okay? Can I say this? Can I not like we have all of this vocabulary and intrigue for how you're supposed to find a partner. Like, we should probably have all of those things for your platonic life partners. Yeah, I think the, uh, like, the competing ideas that I always struggle with and that it feels like we're always presented with is that like when you meet someone either who's a friend or a romantic partner or whoever, and, and, there, and there is something there, like you'll either know it and, it and it'll click and it'll just work and it, it'll be like meant to be or it won't. And on the other hand, it's like, no, you have to work at everything. And like, you know, all, all good relationships take a, like a lot of effort. I feel like, you know, there's this sometimes competing ideas of like things should be effortless. And that's how you know that they're that they're good or things should be hard. And that's how you know that they're good or they're good because you work at them. And it often feels like, yeah, like how do you kind of hold both of those ideas at the same time? Uh, I mean, I guess to close out on an unrelated rant, there was one other topic that um, Amina, I think you sent in. So this one for me is individual. Um, mine is really Hamilton. Like, <laughs> I, I, I wow. cannot. I'm like, I'm going to go on the record about Hamilton, and I, I say this Let's as someone. I say this as someone who like saw it, like not on Broadway, like pre-Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> no brag, no, no brag. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a lady who goes to the theater. Like right. I saw it b- before it like blew up. And then I did see it again after it blew up because, you know, personal reasons. But here's what I will say about the, the hubbub around people just losing their shit about it. I think it's totally fine to like the things that you want. So this is not what I'm saying. Like I, for as much as I, I, I'm rolling my eyes at musical theater in general, it's my own problem. I just don't like exuberance. It's not the like I'm, I'm telling you that this is my own personal failing. I just don't like musical theater. I'm giving you all the caveats. I don't like musical theater. I don't like um, the corniness of just people rapping at you. Like all of that stuff is not good. But here my specific Hamilton rant is this. You can like Hamilton if you like musical theater, but don't tell me that it's some sort of like woke, very good art because it's not. I was like, there are literally doesn't pay attention to women, literally has like 1.5 references to slavery. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, yeah, it's like just because it's like men of color doing something doesn't mean that it's amazing. And so the uncritical like consumption of Hamilton is something that has been really hard for me to stomach. If you like Hamilton and you're just like, I love it. And to be clear, like that Dear Theodosia song, that shit slaps. And I, it is on my running mix. <laughs> I also listen to it. I am talking less about the, the thing itself. I was like, if you like it, you like it. But the uncritical consumption of it and the trying to pass it off as this like very good political art that is going to drive me up the wall. I was like, it was not good political art. It is not honest political art. It is frankly sexist. And uh, also just like, we've already had this moment in politics and it did not work out well for us. So, you know, like, <laughs> like turn the brain on, turn the brain on. And let's like, let's be critical thinkers about the things that we are passing off as politically important. Yeah, I do think there's something to be said about the fact that when it first came out, I mean, coming at like the end of the Obama administration, it like it hit different then than it does five years later when it's like the world feels like it's way shittier in a lot of different ways and that we haven't made a whole lot of progress on a lot of different issues, most importantly of which is race. And it's like, yeah, so I totally get like it hits it hits different now, especially. But it sounds like, yeah, you you had beef with it. <laughs> all along <laughs> no but i'm just being honest about it about no, like no, I, I think that you can just yeah. say if like listen i watch housewives i like i watch all sorts of things that are on their face like bad politics so i'm not saying that you know i'm like i'm above the thing i'm just saying that you have to be honest about why you watch something and what it is achieving in the world and i'm not trying to pass off like bravo content as you know like some sort of revolutionary <laughs> stuff. And I would ask right. that people who watch Hamilton also do not do the same thing. Just say that you like the songs and that is cool with me. But this is right. not, um, this it's not like important representation that's happening. Uh, say mm-hmm. that to like the black women in the cast. 
Got it. Got it. Oh my God. Um, I'm about to get think- canceled. Canceled. I can feel it. I can feel it. I can feel it. If the Hamilton fans come after me, I am taking all of you down with me. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go, where uh, can people find both of you and your and your work? You can find us at bigfriendship.com as well as everything that is related to our book. And you can find our podcast at callyourgirlfriend.com. Amazing. Thank you both so much. This this has been our first um, three way Zoom interview, so um, I think we we nailed it. Uh, thank you, thank you so much for having us. I have to tell you, I feel um, I feel just lighter and freer, and it is truly a pleasure listening to you. So thanks for having us. All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go down easier, starting with do better white people. Barry, what are we highlighting this week? I want to shout out Shishi Rose. She is someone who is really a phenomenal person to follow on Instagram and also support with your real dollars via her website, which we will put in our show notes. But she's an activist. She's a doula, an educator. And I'm bringing her up because she posts a lot about the racial disparity that exists in pregnancy and birth and postpartum experiences for black people. And it's stuff that, you know, you might not know much about. And she just spells it out really well for people and she also links to a lot of GoFundMes that support black people who are working towards having a career in doula and midwifery work because that's one of the ways to make that industry better and healthier and safer for black people is by having more black people who are working in the field. She also has a whole highlighted story section about places where you can buy black. I love her. And I love following her and I would really recommend that you do too. And she also has a newsletter that you can subscribe to and pay for through her website. So yeah, I wanted to shout out Shishi Rose this week. Nice. Now let's get into uh, the TV we've been watching this week. What you've been watching? So uh, we were with Alex's parents for the past like two weeks, basically. So we didn't end up watching a lot of TV except for the last night when Alex and his brother and I watched an episode of Awake. Have you heard of this on Netflix? No. I'm not recommending it. It's extremely <laughs> stupid. But um, it is a game show. The premise of the game show is that people have stayed awake for 24 hours and then they do challenges and to win a million dollars. A million dollars? Yeah. Okay. But like the one that we watched, the first... The first challenge is they stay up all night counting quarters and like the amount that they count that like sets them up for the whole episode. And it's like whoever got the lowest amount of quarters, they're eliminated first. And then it's like if you counted it and you're you were very wrong with the actual amount that was there, that's going to affect you later on in the challenges and could eliminate you. And then they do all these like weird, dumb obstacle course type of things and challenges like drinking a slushy really fast because I guess when you are sleep deprived cold temperatures when you're drinking can like give you a worse brain freeze <laughs> this is so dark it's absurdly <laughs> dumb uh but it was enjoyable to watch with two people and be like what the fuck is this so that's truly the only thing I've watched this week how about you God, I love that this is going to be entertainment for like the next year. It's just going to be like, what can TV studios make with the lowest possible budget with the fewest number of people? Yeah. Anyway, uh, I've I've been watching. I haven't finished and it's fine. I also am like, you know what? (laughs) Watch it if you want. I don't really like care uh but unsolved mysteries on netflix did you watch any of those so we started watching it after watching awake (laughs) great (laughs) but then we didn't finish it because alex was like let's just watch one of the original episodes and so then we watched one of the original episodes i don't even remember if i watched the original i had never seen or heard of unsolved mysteries it does feel like something my mom would have had on that i would have yeah would have watched but um yeah, if you're completely unaware, Unsolved Mysteries is, is literally what it sounds like. It's a documentary series. Each episode is about uh, a mystery 
that guess guess what never never got solved um most of them are murders or dis- disappearances or like you know stuff like that there is one episode that i watched yesterday um about uh, a ufo sighting <laughs> that was the one that we started watching in the berkshires yeah yeah i mean it was pretty weird i will say what is your non-TV chaser? So my non-TV chaser this week is that I deleted Twitter and Instagram from my phone. I'm still obviously mm-hmm. checking it constantly on my computer, but uh, there was a lot of anti-Semitism happening on the social meds in the past week. And that was kind of just like the final. I was like, I can't. I, uh, this is not helping uh, or healthy for me. So I took a step back and it already has made a very big difference. And I'm sure that I will download them again probably before the next episode. But uh, for right now, it's feeling good to have that boundary and like only check during the day uh, when I'm at my computer. So there's that. And also cottage cheese. Just a just a shout shouting out some cottage cheese. I go through phases where I just have yogurt for breakfast every morning, and then I'm like, you know what? What if I had yogurt but like chewier? And I'm like, cottage cheese time. And I just fucking love cottage cheese. And I feel like not a lot of people show a lot of love for cottage cheese. So I just wanted to be here and say that all of you out there who love cottage cheese, I see you, I hear you, I feel you. It's delicious. Especially Uh, when you mix a little jam in. A little strawberry jam like I did this morning. And then you add granola and fruit. Like, ooh, mm, yum, yum, yum. Absolutely not. (laughs) Uh, I will not allow this to be published on this podcast. (laughs) Uh, This podcast is firmly anti-cottage cheese. No, I will say, I think I used to have cottage cheese way more often as a kid yeah and i have not had it in in a while it's really fallen out of fashion but i don't know there's a part of me that feels like it's gonna make a comeback <laughs> we're gonna get like a bunch of prediction <laughs> yeah trend food trend alert cottage cheese like farm to table cottage cheese is gonna be happening i actually have been eating more uh bowls of cereal oh my god is that your chaser this week my diet is improving. I mean, it could be part of it. I my my point in saying that is that I've been, you know, basically drinking a bowl of milk and not shitting my pants. So well, maybe I maybe my my perceived lactose intolerance was all psychological. Wow. I tried so, raw milk yogurt the past week because uh, we were in New Hampshire oh and God. you could do it. And it was so delicious. And then I was in so much pain, <laughs> so much pain. And uh, I was like, what could this possibly be from? Why am I really just needing to use the bathroom all the time? And I was like, oh, probably the raw milk <laughs> that I consumed in yogurt form. And then I didn't eat it again and I was fine. So, you know, you learn. Yeah, sure. I feel like I hear your your respect for me just like falling. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just it made me think I was talking to my mom the other day and she was like, yeah, I don't really feel well after dinner. I don't I don't really know why. And I was like, well, what did you have? And she was like, well, a quarter pounder. <laughs> <laughs> Started sort of listing all the stuff. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh so uh, yeah that is i have a similar reaction in this case um yeah anyway so what's your chaser this week i mean yeah bowls of cinnamon toast crunch or uh my my cascadia farm cinnamon toast Mm. crunch that i've been eating have been um have been bringing me joy but also i don't think i ever actually said as my chaser my my slippies as you called them (laughs) that i bought I don't actually think they're intended as slippers. I think they're intended as like actual footwear that you would wear outside. That's just ridiculous. They are Uggs. <laughs> they were part of uh, Ugg had like a pride collection. Remember Pride Month? <laughs> Remember we barely had a Pride Month? Yeah. But yeah, I still found a way to support corporate gay America. By buying one of their pride products, which were these ridiculous looking slipper shoes that have like a three inch heel 
um, and are covered. You immediately, I sent you a picture and said it looks like Big Bird's feet. <laughs> I mean, it does. And now I cannot wear them without seeing that. But <laughs> they are incredibly comfy. And I like walking around in my apartment in my and my big bird slippies. Yeah, today I realized that at some point when we go back to the office, I'm not going to be able to wear slippers all day and I'm going to have to go back to wearing actual shoes. And I am so against that. Yeah. Why? We need to normalize wearing slippers at work. I don't see why that's a problem. Right. I, personally, I would I would keep a pair of slippers at the office. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't wear them. Like, no, no, on no. The subway. No, definitely not. But keeping a pair there is exactly the vibe I'm going for. Yeah, that's allowed. Thank you. I will allow it. That is it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. Then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Bellisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hans Yosu. You can bother Barry at Finkelberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Bellisai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. And you can leave a voicemail on our rant hotline at 601-600-RANT. That's 601-600-7268. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, Bye-bye. What love got to do? Got to do with it.